I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you on this day after Thanksgiving. Senator, a lot of people driving home today, seeing gas prices hit these uh, numbers that they're not liking, even though the administration wants you to believe this is really low right now. And then there's another question, and that is, When do we start putting oil back into our strategic petroleum reserves? The Biden energy advisor was asked about this, and his answer was pretty shocking. Take a listen. Well, okay. so a couple of things. Number one, China lockdowns and and the Fed raising rates and and trying to orchestrate maybe a, 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 a slowdown, at least, whether it's a recession or not. Those aren't the greatest ways to, to, to lower the price of oil. Plus, we've been you know, tapping the SPR, which a lot of people uh, criticize, especially if we're down below $80. We're not today. We're back up. But definitely time to end that. Would you start buying? When would you start buying back the oil to try to replenish that? What, what kind of price would we be talking about? Almost? Now, before the White House responds, Senator, let's just set the stage here on the strategic oil reserves so people understand the abuse here. The president decided he's got a problem. Democrats were screaming about the problem. If the price was too high on Election Day, they thought they would lose, obviously, the House and the Senate, and it would be a, a red wave. They decided to take the strategic oil reserves and dump million, then two million barrels a day into the marketplace to artificially lower the price. You heard CNBC say a lot of people think this was not how the strategic oil reserves supposed to be used. That this was a terrible decision that this was playing politics. But not only that, now to replenish that oil, it's going to be a very high price. Well, as you're driving home from Thanksgiving today, uh, I will say there, there's good news and bad news. Um, the good news is 
that gas prices went down a little bit over the last few months. The bad news is <laughs> gas prices are going way, way up over the next two years. In fact, it may be that, that the price you paid to fill up your tank today, it might end up being the lowest price you pay for the next couple of years. Why is that? Because the policies of the Biden administration have waged a relentless war on U.S. oil and gas production. They want gas prices to go up. They want gas prices not just to be 5 6 $7 a gallon, which is how high it got on the West Coast. They want it to be 8 9 $10 a gallon. Because what they want to do is they want to make it so painful for you to fill your tank that you sell your SUV, you sell your minivan, you sell your truck, and you buy a little Prius and zip along. And, and their, their view is the, the, the more burden they put on you, they'll force you to comply. Now, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was established to, to protect our national security interests so that if we're at a time of war and, and our supply of oil gets cut off, and it was also established at a time when we were very energy dependent and needed to import oil, that our enemies couldn't cut off oil and, and, and cripple our economy. Uh, so it's there for national security to protect us. Now, the SPR, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, in some way should be renamed the Strategic Political Reserve because Joe Biden has used it simply as a political fund. So moving into the election, despite the fact that they want higher gas prices, there's one time that they don't want higher gas prices. And that is Election Day. And so Biden has released millions and millions of barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in order to try to lower gasoline prices. It was purely Election Day campaigning. By the way, we know it's Election Day campaigning because we know that when Biden was talking to the Saudis and asking them to delay restricting output, his request was, could you just delay it till after Election Day? So we're past Election Day now. He's perfectly fine with gas prices going up. And the degree to which they politically manipulated this is stunning. Now, here's something on top of all of this. Biden is now talking about refilling the SPR when oil hits $75 a barrel. Yeah, let's play that for people so that they can hear the White yep. House's energy advisor telling the world what price he needs to start buying oil again to replenish what we just put out in the market to artificially uh, decrease the price of a gallon of gas to the pump so that they could get reelected on Election Day in the midterms. So I, we, we agree with you. Uh, look, we, we, we've been tapping the SPR, and I don't think there's much criticism today for what we've done. We, that was a critical part. Uh, the releases from the SBR are a critical part of bringing prices down when we did them. Just imagine if we had not increased supply by a million barrels a day. But today, we have to be, we have to be really opportunistic and look at the market and where it is to see if it makes sense to do continued SPR releases. The president was, would like to replenish the SPR in full uh, of what we released, so an additional 180 to 200 million barrels. And I think when prices start reaching towards that $70 mark, uh, that's when we're probably going to be looking at some, somewhere around that range of 70, 72, 73, or maybe a little bit below that. Uh, we'll look to uh, immediately begin to increase uh, and to repurchase uh, oil into the SPR. And that's because we need to have uh, an SPR that is fuller than it is today 
for national security and economic emergencies in the future. We still have 400 million barrels. That's a lot of barrels. We still can manage any emergency. But looking into the future, when prices come down into that $70 range, we're going to look to yep. be uh, buyers in the market. It's weird to tell people your price, isn't it? I mean, if this is about national security, as he just mentioned, and not politics, doesn't that seem odd for the White House to just throw this out there of like, here's our price? So it is weird, but but you need to understand Democrats don't care about national security. It, it's not a priority for them. This is purely politics. I have to admit, my favorite part of his answer is he says, well, no one's criticizing us now. Um, no, that's that's not accurate. Everyone knows you're obviously playing politics, trying to engage in electioneering to lower gas prices, not on an ongoing basis, for, but for a brief moment in time, right when people go to the polls. You know, they're ready to stop now because Election Day is over. So let's get those gas prices up. That's what Democrats want. They want you to pay more. And, you know, it's interesting. So the price he gave was 70, 72, 73. He's gone a little cheaper than Biden was with the Saudis. When when Biden was desperately negotiating with the Saudis several months ago, he told the Saudis, if you don't announce that you're restricting output, I will promise to fill the SPR at $75. That was the price he promised them because they claimed, well, we're going to do this because we're concerned that the price will fall too low. And he said, well, I'll give you a price floor. At 75, I promise to buy. And the Saudis told him to go pound sand because what Democrats have done on foreign policy is alienated all of our friends and allies and empowered our enemies. And so Saudi Arabia is a very important ally to America, but the Biden administration hates the Saudis because they're in bed with Iran. Iran is led by a theocratic lunatic who regularly chants death to America and death to Israel. And the Biden administration's response to that is they want to send them hundreds of billions of dollars and facilitate the Ayatollah getting nuclear weapons. And the chief counterpoint to Iran is Saudi Arabia. And so the Biden administration has undermined and insulted the Saudis at every turn. So when they asked them, they, they said they'd set up a, a price floor. The Saudis said pound sand. Now, here's the interesting thing, Ben. That, that, that shows that, that Democrats don't really care about national security and they don't care about the taxpayers either. So you just heard Biden's energy advisor admit that the, that the 200 million barrels of oil that they've released in order to try to buy gas prices down right before Election Day, that it makes us more vulnerable. He said we need to fill it under Biden. We're at the lowest level in decades. But here's the amazing thing that that Democrats almost never address. In 2020, which was just two years ago, oil was a lot cheaper. It was $24 a barrel, $24 a barrel. So Donald Trump issued an order to fill the SPR to full capacity. Now, that order made a lot of sense. At $24 a barrel, that made a ton of sense. And you know what happened? Democrats in Congress blocked it. They said no. Do not fill the SPR at $24 a barrel. So now Democrats are saying fill it at 70 or $75 a barrel. They don't care about the taxpayers. It is all politics for the Democrats. And it would have been three to one just to put it in perspective. I mean, it, it literally the price that they're saying is a good price now to fill the strategic oil reserves are saying what? So let's just round it 75. 
at $24 a barrel, you could have bought three barrels of oil for the same price as one at their, quote, ideal price now. And the only reason why they blocked Donald Trump back then is because of politics. There was no other reason to block them except they said Donald Trump wants it, so we say no. The White House press secretary was asked about this. Why replenishing the reserves at that price is a good deal, $75 a barrel now, when buying it at $24 a barrel was a bad deal just two years ago. And she said, well, back in 2020, when Congress was debating funding for replenishing the SPR, Democrats blocked it, saying it was a bailout for, quote, big oil. Why is it good for taxpayers now? She says, look, it was a different time. It was not the same situation that we're in currently. The reserve was close to full capacity at the time, so so there is no reason to make that type of repurchase that's a response ben that's just stunning and 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 look she's right it was a different time it was a time when democrats were playing politics to oppose trump and republicans now democrats are playing politics to try to manipulate elections but you know i i just did some some quick math on on the calculator on my iphone so the difference between 75 dollars and 24 dollars a barrel that's 51 dollars a barrel 51 dollars a barrel times 200 million barrels is 1.2 billion dollars what the democrats did is blocked filling the spr at a time when we could have had it at record low prices and as a consequence now they want to spend 10.2 billion taxpayer dollars to fill it at three times as high a price because a their horrible energy policies have driven the price of oil and the price of gas to record highs but b because they've also manipulated the spr for politics and and it it there have been few more revealing moments than when biden asked the saudis delay your actions until right after election day he didn't even say the end of the year he said right after election day so joe biden right now green light raise it sky high because the green new deal radicals they want gasoline sky high that is their intended outcome senator i want to go into the media and how they're covering this but before we get to that i want to tell everybody about our amazing sponsor patriot mobile if you've got a cell phone and 99 percent of americans do How would you like to know that with every phone call you make, you're supporting conservative causes? Well, that's what Patriot Mobile does. And they use the same cell towers that you're on right now, meaning you get the same exact coverage that you're getting right now. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. They are a force for conservative values. Why? Because they take a portion of every bill that you pay, And they fund conservative causes, candidates, and organizations that believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, and the Second Amendment, and they're winning. If you're ready to have your dollars matter when you're paying a bill, switch to Patriot Mobile. They can save you money over what you're paying right now. They can save you and your family money, and they even can save your business or small business money because they have an entire section of the business that's just dedicated to businesses. They offer the same nationwide coverage as all the other major carriers, but the difference is you actually get to stand up for what you believe in every time you pay that bill. So go online to patriotmobile.com slash verdict, patriotmobile.com slash verdict. You'll get free activation and other major offers, and you can call them 972 
patriot. That's nine seven two patriot. Use the promo code verdict. You, you mentioned um, the prices and and this administration obviously saying wait until right after the election to 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 reduce your production. There's also that lingering question out there. Yes, we don't have control of the Senate. Will there be any type of investigation, though, into our strategic oil reserves, filling that tanker, going to this company that Hunter Biden, based on their, at least on the company sheets, show that he still has ownership in. But even if he doesn't have ownership, how is it that when our strategic oil reserves were released, some of that oil was going to a company that the Biden family had a vested interest in when it was supposed to be lowering the price in this country. Is that something that Republicans can still look into when we have this new Congress? Well, it is, and it's something that I've got a high level of confidence uh, the House will look into. If you if you look at what Comer said in his press conference and Jim Jordan, they are appropriately focusing on evidence of corruption of Joe Biden. They're not getting distracted by DOJ trying to trying to focus on on Hunter Biden's drug use. They're instead focused on was there corruption at the highest level of government? And this is obviously part of it, that that if you have official decisions selling millions of barrels of oil to a company that directly profits Biden's family, that raises very serious issues of corruption. I'm confident the House will examine that closely. I want to take a moment and have a real heart to heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today. To donate, just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to move to another issue, and this is one of those when I love doing Verdict because we get to go really uh, uh, deep into a, a story that is, I think, very in, important, and it comes from the legal field. You're obviously a lawyer. I want to get your opinion on this new piece of news that we just got this week, that the American Bar Association has now voted uh, to end law school's LSAT requirements in the year 2025. This doesn't just apply to the LSAT, but to all potential admissions testing. It wasn't long ago when they tried to do this in November 2021 that they started accepting the GRE alongside the LSAT. And now it looks like they are eradicating all entrance testing altogether. This is a rule change that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it it does make sense, but not in a way that will make you remotely happy or encouraged, which is the modern left are racists. They are dedicated passionately dedicated to discriminating based on race they believe in racial discrimination uh my my latest book justice corrupted how the left has weaponized the legal system there's an entire chapter on critical race theory there's an entire chapter on affirmative action it 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 lays out the history of how democrats believe there is virtue in discriminating against oppressors, by which they mean white people, although they also, oddly enough, embrace discriminating against Asian Americans who are not in their taxonomy oppressors, but they've done too well. And if you've done too well, uh, you know, it's like Harrison, Ber- Harrison Bergeron, that, that they're going to put uh, weights on you and they're, they're going to discriminate against you. And so what is this about? And I'll tell you that the, the announcement that, that the ABA committee recommended eliminating the requirement of, of the LSAT is connected to another story that broke at the same time, which is Yale Law School announced that it was going to stop participating in the U.S. News and World Report rankings of law schools. Now, that was an odd announcement. Why? Because Yale Law School has been number one in the U.S. Uh, News and World Report's rankings for years. It's consistently number one over and over and over again. Shortly thereafter, Harvard Law School, which is often number two in those rankings, announced it was going to stop participating as well. Now, why are these all connected? Because all of these flow from the Supreme Court's case that is currently pending, challenging affirmative action in law schools. And there's a case against Harvard Law School. And there's a case against University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. One is a private institution. One is a government institution. It's challenging their explicit racial discrimination. And and Harvard and Yale and lots of schools actively discriminate against Asian Americans because Asian Americans in their determination are too successful. They do too well academically. And so just like Harvard in the 1950s had Jewish quotas because Without the quotas, from their racist perspective, you'd have too many Jews. Well, now, from their left-wing racist perspective, without the racial quotas, you'd have too many Asians. So let's discriminate against them. Uh, Most observers, myself included, believe the Supreme Court is going to rule against the universities and is going to rule that it is illegal 
to discriminate based on race, which is going to mean their affirmative action policies where they're eagerly and aggressively discriminating are going to be illegal. This decision on the LSAT is a direct response to that. Why is that? Because part of the reason you can make this case that they're discriminating against Asian Americans is you look at the LSAT scores and the GPAs of Asian American applicants, and they are substantially higher than many of the individuals, in particular Hispanics and African Americans that they admit, who have lower LSATs and lower GPAs, but they admit them based on affirmative action. So here's what the law schools are trying to do. Get rid of the LSAT so you don't have an objective score. Because the entire reason, and, 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 and what does U.S. News and World Report have to do with it? Well, in the rankings on U.S. News and World Report, they put significant weighting, I think it's about 20%, if I remember correctly, on the average LSAT score of your uh, students. Which means if, let's say, Yale suddenly started saying we're not taking the LSAT and, and the average LSAT score, so they did badly on that, Yale's ranking would drop. And you got to understand, these racist leftists are not actually willing to, to diminish their, their self-declared prestige. So they're pulling out of the rankings so that they don't have to pay a price for then eliminating the LSAT. And all of this is designed so they can say our admissions process no, 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 we don't look at objective numbers. We just look at a holistic assessment of, of the total student, and wonder of wonder, we end up rejecting the same Asian Americans because we don't want too many of them. That's their racist view. And we end up admitting the other students who we want. This is all about affirmative action, and they're running away from any objective indicia uh, of merit, or, or academic success. Who are the biggest losers here and the biggest winners? Because you, you mentioned, obviously, Asian Americans, uh, and, and they're going to basically straight up be racist against them. But who else does this hurt in the admissions process if they continue to move down this path? Well, it hurts people based on merit. So one of the things, interestingly enough, these schools are not moving away from is, is legacy preferences. So, so you have a leg up on getting into these schools if daddy went there if mom went there. But if not, listen, I'm an Hispanic guy who went to Princeton and Harvard and mommy and daddy didn't go there. I, I, not a legacy. I didn't come from money. In fact, when, when I went to college, my parents had just gone bankrupt. They were in the oil and gas business. We were talking oil and gas. It was the eighties oil cratered and, and we lost our home. We lost everything. And so I'm a 17 year old kid, the son of a Cuban immigrant, doesn't know anybody, has no connections, uh, but I got in. I got into school because I had really good grades in high school, and I did really well on the SAT, uh, which, by the way, is a terrible thing to admit, Ben. You're a much cooler guy who played varsity <laughs> tennis at Old Miss. I can promise you, uh, you, you go to a bar, and a, 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 as, as a college kid, the, the worst pickup line on planet Earth is, hey, want to see my SAT score? Yeah, Very that's not. That's line. just not going to work. Even at Harvard and Yale, I'm not no, sure that gives you no, much. It, it just does does not work. But it meant that that a kid with no connections, with with, 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 with no wealth, could get in. And the same thing's true when it, when I went to Harvard. That that I uh, that that between my grades and my LSAT got in. Um, they want to move away from that, and they want to move away from merit. What they want to find also 
are people who are leftists and woke. So so if you go and organize, you know, a transgender protest to shut down corporate America, Yale Law School, here you come, baby. Like, you know, go find. Actually, we talked about this a couple of pods ago when we were talking about Sam Bankman Freed and, and the direct message he was saying about we do these woke shibboleths because people will like us. Eliminating the LSAT removes one objective differentiator. Um, you know, I remember at the time, so when I was in law school, uh, my roommate and, and best friend in the world, other than Heidi, who is my best, best friend, but my best friend to whom I'm not married, uh, is a guy named David Panton. Uh, David was my roommate in, in college, my roommate in law school. Um, and in law school, uh, he was the president of the Harvard Law Review. Uh, Barack Obama, you may recall, was the first black president of the Harvard Law Review. David Panton was the second black president of the Harvard Law Review. And David and I were roommates, we were debate partners, and it was interesting at the time. At the time, the LSAT was scored on a 48-point scale, so a perfect score was a 48 uh, at the time. It's kind of a weird scoring, but that's how they did it. Um, At the time, I remember reading a stat that nationally... There were fewer than 50, 5-0, African-Americans who had scored 40 or above on the LSAT, which, which David had done. And so I, I joked, I'm like, David, dude, I'm roommates with 2% uh, of, of, of the African-Americans who scored above that line. Now, let me say, let me be very clear. I think the fact that you don't have more African-American and Hispanic kids scoring much, much higher on those tests is is a compelling indictment of our K through 12 education system in this country that there ought to be there are a lot of really smart talented minority kids and many of them are trapped in failing schools it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about school choice because I want to give these kids the chance and opportunities to exceed so that you're seeing hundreds and thousands more African-Americans and Hispanics scoring really well on these tests. But, and, and, and that stat is also 25 years old, too, so, so the current stats have changed somewhat. That's what the law schools are trying to move away from, because rather than address the underlying issues, they embrace discrimination. They believe it is morally virtuous to, to discriminate. And as you move away from objective indicators of merit something that people can work hard to achieve, you move instead into the subjective, which means you move into the political. This enables also Harvard and Yale and the other schools to go fill their schools with an army of woke leftists who then will go on to all the law firms, will go on to all the investment banks, will go on to corporate America, and will continue to populate the commanding heights of our major institutions. It's going to be interesting to see, Senator, what happens with this, because it is, as you said, it's going to have a huge impact on people uh, and it's going to have a huge impact on who gets into these law schools. And like you said, it's all comes down to an issue of basically racism for them. Uh, they, they always scream everybody else the racist, but look at what they're doing right here. And it's a very important thing to keep an eye on. I want to move to one of the best fails of the week, and this deals with CBS News. CBS News Center came out and they announced 
that they were going to pause their activity on Twitter. It was moral imperative to them for, for them to do this. They were trying to lead a train, a bandwagon of people that were going to leave with them. It was Virtue Signaling 101. It was a fail. They announced that they were pausing their activity on Twitter. How big of a, a screw-up was this? CBS returned to Twitter after bravely leaving for one day, 16 hours and 31 minutes, and they came crawling back as no one followed them. Here was their big announcement. And Musk has called for an emergency meeting for all remaining engineers. In light of the uncertainty around Twitter and out of an abundance of caution, CBS News is pausing its activity on the social media site as it continues to monitor the platform, Major. Johnson Vigliotti. I, I mean, I love this. They're, they're like, we're, you know, we're going to, in light of Elon Musk running Twitter like a company, right? Instead of, instead of having and, and actually trying to figure out a way to make money off of a business that's never made money, we're going to pause because we don't like what they're doing. And then they come crawling back. This on top of the fact that CBS News also came out like they were breaking news more than two years after the New York Post broke the news uh, of the Hunter Biden laptop. CBS News, by the way, reported that the laptop now is authentic. It took them more than two years to do this. Just days after the second election, they did, uh, the, you know, the second election they missed, right? They missed the first one. They missed the second one, the midterms. And now they're like, all right, well, now that we've gotten through the midterms, now that we got through the last presidential we're going to come out and break news that the Hunter Biden laptop is officially authentic. That's their line. Well, the corporate media is fundamentally corrupt. They are broken. They are damaged and destroyed. So, so, so let's focus on the substance of what they said. They said, well, in an abundance of caution, we're going to go off Twitter. Now, they're not being cautious about there's some engineers that are mad. That's not a reason to go off Twitter. Like, what do they care if engineers are yelling at each other or getting fired? It, it, they, they were not protesting the internal management policies at Twitter. They were protesting one thing and one thing only, which is that Elon Musk has said he's going to stop political censorship. And so, for example, he's allowed Jordan Peterson back on Twitter. He's allowed the Babylon Bee back on Twitter. He's allowed Donald Trump back on Twitter, although as of now, Trump hasn't gone back on Twitter, but he's allowed back. Um, and the corporate media, they are so fundamentally damaged that their view is, if you do not censor anyone who disagrees with us, we can't handle it. We are fragile little snowflakes, and we are going to go hide because not only are we propagandists, not only do we tell a corporate story decided by the corporate head honchos at our media offices. But we're not even prepared to defend the lies we're telling. And if anyone can point out the lies we're telling, we're going to curl up in a ball and, 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 and hide in the corner. It, it truly, can you imagine Walter Cronkite saying such a thing? Can you imagine Ted Koppel, do, who hosted Nightline for years? Can you imagine Tim Russert? Like, like there used to be journalists and journalists who were not terrified of someone who disagreed with them because they actually knew some facts and they could and and and, and I'm not saying by the way those journalists were not biased there there's been journalistic bias for a long time but journalists didn't used to be complete and utter wusses and and I'm sorry the corporate media 
their reaction, they're running away from free speech. How does anyone that considers themselves a journalist run screaming away from free speech? Now, you noted their, quote, boycott lasted just over a day yeah. because no one followed them. And, you, you know, you're, you're trying to lead a parade and you start marching and, and swinging your arms wildly and you look behind you. There ain't no one there. And it's like, uh oh. Uh, and, and I will say there was a tweet I saw uh, online that, that I retweeted that just made me laugh. It said, Pete Davidson has had girlfriends that lasted longer than CBS <laughs> News's break from Twitter. Uh, and, 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 and I had a lot of fun with that because that's indisputably true. Our friend uh, Jesse Waters over at Waters World had some fun with CBS News. Finally admitting the Hunter Biden laptop story is real. I just want to play this because the way that he described it for me was like, yep, spot on. Guy is shorthand for 10% held by Hunter for his father. Wait, CBS, you're telling me Hunter's laptop's real now? And Joe Biden's the big guy? I thought this was just one big conspiracy theory. Well, Primetime reached out to Leslie Stahl at CBS and asked her if she'd be apologizing to the former president for insisting the laptop couldn't be verified. And we haven't heard back. I'm starting to realize Democrat October surprises are all hoaxes and Republican October surprises are all true. You just have to wait until after the election to find out. And to have a free and fair election, you kind of need to know the truth before the election. That way, voters can make an honest assessment and not have any regrets. But let's look at the bright side. If the media didn't bury the laptop, Joe Biden would have never been able to give his granddaughter the wedding of her dreams. That's true, right, Senator? I mean, at least they got to have a great wedding at the White House this week. I love how Waters reminds people that it was CBS News that that attacked Donald Trump in the lead up to the presidential election when he brought up the laptop and they actually said, oh, you can't verify this laptop. We can't verify this. We can't verify. You can't say that. You know, and he was like, it is real. And they're like, no, it's not. You're, we're not going to allow you to say that here. Yeah. Leslie Stahl repeatedly said it can't be verified. It can't be verified. It can't be verified. Why? Because she didn't want to verify it. She didn't want it to be true. It was politically inconvenient. She was a propagandist and it was contrary to her propaganda. By the way, this is the same Leslie Stahl that interviewed the head of Iran as he spouted Holocaust denial. And she sat there and didn't challenge him because I guess in their mind that can't be verified either. I mean, they literally, their propaganda is such that they're willing to sit there with blatantly dishonest anti-Semitism and broadcast it yeah. because the Democrat Party supports giving Iran hundreds of billions of dollars and allowing them to get nukes, and so therefore the corrupt corporate media does. And if you have to have a racist murderer, torturer, anti-Semite and give them global coverage, well, that's just a cost of doing business. The Hunter Biden laptop story is a lot of things. But but one of the things it illustrates is the confluence between all of the corrupt institutions that are coming together to deceive the American people and to steal elections. So Hunter Biden's story breaks evidence, clear evidence of corruption by Joe Biden on behalf of enemies of America, the Chinese communist on behalf of Burisma, the the Ukrainian natural gas company. It's an incredibly inconvenient story because it breaks right before the election. So several things happen. Number one, the FBI picks up the phone and calls Facebook and says, please suppress this story 
because it's Russian disinformation. It has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Now, we now know the FBI was lying. That was a lie. So the FBI corrupted from within. The partisans there, they didn't want Joe Biden to lose, so they call their buddies at Big Tech. What does Big Tech do? Big Tech, Facebook and Twitter together acting in concert, say to the New York Post that dared write a story about the Hunter Biden laptop. We are going to de-platform not just your story. We're going to take the entire New York Post down. You're no longer allowed on social media. You are deplatformed. They involuntarily did to the New York Post what CBS just did in its little fit for a day and a few hours. Yeah, and I will remind people, CBS News still not apologized for this moment with Donald Trump. I wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. It would be so good. You know what? You the, like this, the, I thought. I thought you I don't mind spot, it. I don't mind spark. it. But when I watch him walk out of his store and he's walking with a ice cream and the question the media asks him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? <laughs> and he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking. He's of course not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. There it is, Senator. He's not in the midst of a scandal. He's not. He's not in a scandal. Come on. That was October the 26th. With the laptop story, CBS News, and it only took him two plus years to now finally admit that the story is real after she laughed in the face of Donald Trump, the president of the United States of America, on 60 Minutes. And no comment coming from 60 Minutes and no comment coming from Leslie Stahl. That should tell you everything you need to know about the woke corporate media. So question, what changed? We had an election. We had a midterm election, right? And I, I think this is my prediction, Senator. I think the media is starting to turn on Joe Biden because they're useful idiots, no longer useful to them. They realize they don't want him to run for president in 2024. I think they needed to get through the midterms. This is only my opinion, but I think now you're watching CBS News and others are starting to realize they got to take their hands off protecting Joe Biden a little bit here and maybe let all this come out so they can move on to their next candidate. That's my gut. I could be wrong, but that's my prediction. So that's, I think that's a significant piece of it. Number one. CBS News didn't do this till after the midterms elections. So they didn't do it two weeks ago. They did it now. Number two, you're right, they're done with Joe Biden. He's not running in 24, and if he even thinks he is, they want to push him out because he clearly can't run. But number three, you've got a House majority that's getting ready to have hearings on these things, and the fact that they've been utter complicit liars does kind of look bad for them. So they want to get out and report on all this stuff. So when the House has hearings, they say, oh, this isn't news. This is old news. We reported on this. We reported on this a long time ago, like like a whole week ago. In fact, we, we took out the trash, as we call it in politics. We report on the story the week of Thanksgiving when a lot of people have tuned out, checked out, and gone to see their family and have kind of walked away from politics after the exhaustion of covering it all through the election. That's why they're doing it right now during the week of Thanksgiving, because this is when the fewest number of people are watching them. Well, and it's, it's worth explaining that phrase, taking out the trash, because people who haven't worked in politics or haven't worked in media may not understand what it means. Often, if you have bad news... What people in politics do is they'll release it on a Friday afternoon. And even better, a Friday afternoon when something else big is going on. So it's out there. It's in the public. It just no one sees it because it gets buried. Um, and that's the phrase, take it out the trash. If you look at, you know, it would be a funny thing for someone to go compile, you know, the top 50 Friday afternoon press releases because I guarantee you, there's some doozies in there on both sides. Both D's and R's do this. This is not an exclusive Democrat failing. 
But when the media does it, when they release it at a time no one's paying attention, they're engaged in CYA. They're trying to cover their own rear ends by saying, oh, we've covered it. And part of the reason you do that is so then when the world does focus on whatever the bad news is, whatever the scandal is, you say, oh, it's old news. That's been out there forever. Oh, come on. Everyone knows that. Nothing to talk about here. That's what they're trying to do. It's amazing. Senator, we're going to keep covering this story. We're going to keep watching it, and we'll keep uh, exposing it as it comes out. For everybody on the road today, be safe out there. Make sure you subscribe to Verdict. It's free. You'll get three episodes every week automatically. Uh, Tell your family and friends about Verdict. Share this podcast. And don't forget, write us a five-star review as well. And we will see you back here on Monday morning. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.